to do four things with you today. I'm going to explain a biblical principle. Now, it might be a thing that at first you think, wow, that sounds a little bit tough. But then I'm going to go on to tell you some inspiring stories. I'm going to make a frank confession. So you've got to wait for that, okay? I'm going to tell you a secret about my life. And then the fourth thing is I'm going to share with you a secret of how to overcome and do everything that God has called you to do. So let's begin with the principle. There's incredible principles all over the Bible that enable us to live life well. In the Bible, you'll find a character like Moses. Moses stumbles across a burning bush. You know the story. He stumbles across a burning bush and he encounters the favor and the goodness of God. Now, he stumbled across that. Later on in the Bible, we find that Moses says to God, God, show me your ways so that I can continue to find favor with you. In other words, I don't want to stumble across this powerful stuff that you can do in my life. I want to know how you work so that I can always find your favor. If I can find out how God thinks, I can find favor at will because I know his will. And so here's a principle from the Bible. I'm going to take it from the book of Joshua and chapter 1. It's a really powerful and important part of Scripture. And what the context is here is that Joshua is about to lead the children of Israel into a, a significant season in their life. In fact, it's something that they've been building up for hundreds of years to, and things haven't gone well up to this point. But now Joshua is about to successfully lead the children of Israel into that promised land that they've been running to for so, so long. And God repeats himself several times in Joshua 1. And it's really important to note when God repeats himself because it means there's a really important principle. So in Joshua 1, we find a principle. And I'm going to read to you verse 6, 7, 9, and 18 and see if you can spot the repeated principle. Joshua 1 verse 6 says this, Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Verse 7 says... Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Verse 9 says this. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Don't be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. And then this last one is the people talking back to Joshua the same thing. Uh, in verse 18, it says, whoever rebels against your word and does not obey it, whoever, whatever you command them, they will be put to death. Only the people say to Joshua, be strong and courageous. Have you caught the principle? I think it's pretty plain what it is. Be strong, be courageous. And as we used to sing in the old song, be bold, be strong, for the Lord your God is with you. And here's the principle for life. If you want to enter everything that God has for you, you have to be able to embrace the day of boldness. There is a requirement for us to almost somehow rise above ourselves and our own fears and anxieties and enter a day of boldness in order for us to enter into all that God has for us. Now, of course, all the extroverts might be happy, but lots of the introverts, and I'm pretty introverted, are thinking, well, I'm not naturally bold. What am I going to do with that? Well, let's think about this principle for a moment. I believe you're born with, let me put it this way, a lean in in life. We're born leaning in. If you ask a child, what do you want to be when you grow up? I mean, they'll say anything. Astronaut, footballer, they could be anything. They're born with this super confidence that they can do anything in life. And then you know what? Life happens. Stuff happens. We get hurt. We learn how difficult some things are. 
We can often become more insecure, more afraid. And I believe we often end up with a lean back in life instead of a lean in. And suddenly we're living life tentatively, almost living going, please don't hurt me, life. You know, stuff, sickness, people, hurtful words, uh, education, employment, please don't hurt me. And we're slightly stepping back in fear instead of living in boldness. Now, the Bible tells us that the thing that pleases God, Hebrews 11 shows, is that we have faith. Faith pleases God. It's a powerful ingredient. That's why God was saying to Joshua, be bold, be strong. He also says, be careful. But he repeats himself on be bold and be strong. We need boldness to enter into everything that God has for us. Let me exemplify that with some of those inspiring stories I was going to tell you about. I have a friend and he teaches the, the miracle class at a large American uh, Christian training place. And uh, at the end of each term, he would do a miracle service and all the students would turn up from all the different streams and there'd be about 600 people there and they would pray and expect to see miracles. Well, this one service, he felt God say, there are 30 people in this room that need creative miracles, things that aren't there suddenly appearing, uh, uh, deformities coming back into alignment and stuff like that. So he stands up. And look at the boldness here. He gives an altar call saying there are 30 people here that have deformities, that need creative miracles. I want you to come out right now and we're going to pray for you. Well, 30 people come out, line up, and they begin to be prayed for by the students that he's been teaching. And he himself goes to a young girl, probably no more than 17, 18 years old, at the end of the line, and she's got a severely disfigured face. And uh, he said it looked as if her face had been burnt, but it hadn't. It was a disfigurement from birth. And he, he reaches out his hand to pray for her, and he's going to put his hand on the defigured, uh, dis deformed part of her face. And she kind of recoils back a bit, and then she remembers why she's gone forward. So, okay, go on, go on, put your hand on my face. And so he puts his hand on her face. And he says, as he put his hand on her face, he saw the hand of Jesus reach over his shoulder, go through his hand onto her face. And this is the way he described it. It was like her face turned to putty under my hand. And he left it there for some 30 seconds. Then when he removed his hand, her face was perfectly formed. The girl fell to her knees and just began to weep and to pray. And him being a bit nosy, leaned down. I wonder what she's praying. And she's saying, Jesus, I always knew you'd heal me. I knew you would heal me. Thank you for healing me. That's incredible. I love stories of boldness. But somebody had to go. I believe there's somebody here that is deformed, that can be healed right now. You see, the great stories are always fun at the end, aren't they? But halfway through, they're a little bit scary, don't you think? I've got another friend, and uh, she's a singer, and she would take part in primetime TV shows, you know, variety shows and stuff like that, and it was once a Christmas time show, and, and her and her choir were in one room getting ready for the live show, and over in another, there's an A-list celebrity who's having a meltdown, so the directors come over and say, look, we've got this A-lister over here having a meltdown, would you come and talk and just try and coach her through, because this woman, who's a friend of mine, is a bit of a coach, so... She grabs three or four of her spirit-filled Christian girls from the choir. Let's go and have a chat to this A-lister. And they go through, and as they go through, she feels God say, I want you to sing over her. So they go up and they have a little chat, and then they say, well, 
can we pray for you? You're obviously in a, you know, a bit of, bit of trouble. Can we pray for you? And, and the woman says, what most non-Christians say when you offer to pray for them. Yes, of course you can pray for me. And then my friend says, well, actually, can we sing over you? Okay. And so they begin to sing over this A-list celebrity. And as they're singing, she cries. She hears the gospel. She gives her life to Jesus and begins to gossip the gospel around the, the celebrity scene of the country they were in, all because several people were bold enough to sing over that. Boldness has something to it. God moves through boldness. I got another friend. He's crazy. Him and his brother were in Africa doing a large crusade. And it was, you know, there are times when stuff is just happening. God is doing incredible things. And it was one of those weeks when God was doing amazing things. The wind of the Spirit was blowing through the meetings. Rows of people were getting out of wheelchairs. Blind eyes were opening. Deaf ears were opening. God was doing amazing stuff. What would happen is they would pray in the day for what would happen in the evening. So when they'd pray for people to get out of wheelchairs, it happened in the evening. They prayed for deaf ears to open, it happened in the evening. They prayed for blind eyes to see, it happened in the evening. Now we're getting to about day four, day five, and these two brothers who are friends of mine are sat, and they're saying to each other, well, everything we've prayed for so far has happened in the evening. And it's already like we've got the book of Acts happening here in this country. This is incredible. What more can we pray for? And the one says to the other, well, we haven't prayed for anybody to be raised from the dead yet. And they look at each other a little bit wild-eyed and say, well, come on then, let's pray that somebody gets raised from the dead tonight in the service. Oh, my word, talk about boldness. So they get together and they pray. I mean, I don't know who is going to volunteer for this prayer, right? You've got to have a dead person to have someone raised from the dead. But anyway, they pray it and they pray, okay, God, we're trusting you. You've seen people get out of wheelchairs. We've seen blind eyes see you. We've seen deaf ears open. Lord God, we're asking you to raise someone from the dead tonight in this service in Jesus' name. Crazy prayers. So anyway, the evening service comes and they, 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 they do this stuff. It's the middle of the worship. They're sat on the platform and in the middle of the worship, time the crowd parts and in carried by four men is a woman one arm one arm one leg one leg and they carry her up the middle aisle all the worship stops and they just place this body on the floor in front of the platform and my two friends they looked at each other and said well what do you think and the other one went I think she's dead <laughs> they jumped off the platform down to where this dead body was and they stood over this woman and said in Jesus name we command the spirit of death to leave and for life to return to your body. And they prayed for a few moments and commanded death to leave. And then the woman, in one moment, came back to life. And she said, she looked down at her stomach, which had been covered in tumours before. She said, where have the tumours gone? The tumours had completely disappeared. She said, it's as though I was disappearing up towards the sky, towards the light. And I heard a voice calling me back saying, no, you must come back. And then I came back into my body and suddenly here I am, completely healed. How wild is that to pray that? I mean, do you pray those sorts of things before your Sunday service? I pray that somebody would get raised from the dead. I mean, I know some churches need a, a religious raise from the dead sometimes, but to actually pray that somebody will be raised from the dead in a service. Such, such incredible immense boldness. I've got another friend, he was young, he's about 17 years old, learning how to hear God for the first time. And he's praying in his room, and he feels God says in his, in his kind of young, new, I'm just learning how to hear God sort of way. He hears God say, I want you to pray for a woman with a bad back on the street today. And he's thinking, oh, okay, I'll, 
I'll give it a go. I hope this is the voice of God. He's just learning. And then he feels God say, actually, I want you to anoint her with oil. He's a brand new Christian. He's thinking, okay, I, I don't really know what that means. So he goes to the garage and he gets some oil. And he's walking around the middle of town with some oil in his hand, going up to people going, have you got a bad back? No. Have you got a bad back? No. Have you got a bad back? No. Well, let's be honest, so many people have bad backs, you're going to find one in the end, aren't you? Outside a Chinese restaurant, he finds this woman with a bad back. Have you got a bad back? He says, yeah, yes, I have, she said. Can I pray for you? And again, she says, what most non-Christians say when you offer to pray for them. Yes, that, that would be lovely, okay. Then he said, well, actually, can I pour some of this oil on your head? <laughs> She said yes. So they went round the corner. He said, let's go round the corner. That's a, probably a good thing to do. And he said he poured a little bit of the oil on her head. And as the oil touched her head, she was healed. Please don't copy this. That's not what I'm talking about. But think of the boldness. I kind of think he had to be 17 years old and a brand new Christian to actually consider doing some of these things. God said, go find a woman with a bad back and pour some oil on her head. And God healed this woman. Think back through history, some of our heroes like Smith Wigglesworth. Smith was brought a dead body once to pray for. He picked up this dead body and he punched the man in the stomach. That takes guts. Nothing happened. So he picks the body up again, punches a second time, nothing. He picks the body up again, punches again, another time. Now I'm thinking three is a pretty spiritual number, right? You think third time lucky, it would happen. Nothing happened. Another spiritual number is 144,000. Can you imagine me having to punch that long? Thankfully, time four, nothing. The fifth time he did it, nothing. The sixth time he did it, nothing. On the seventh time, look at the perseverance. Look at the boldness. On the seventh time, he picked that body up and punched it. The man came back to life. That's Smith Wigglesworth. We love the stories, but it's the boldness. It's the relationship with God. And it's the boldness that makes these things possible. It is impossible to get into the great things of God without all of us becoming bold. We need boldness. It's a spiritual principle. But are you ready for my confession now? I'm going to be really real with you because I consider it's the best way to be. I'm not going to be fake with you. Here's my confession. Are you ready? I'm not very bold. I'm not very bold at all. I don't feel extraordinary. I feel extremely ordinary. Now, I'm sure there are men of God that wake up, you know, hair ready, quiff, their, their mouth smells of mint, and angels are singing as they wake, oh, hallelujah, you know what I mean? They're waking up. And I'm sure there's men of God who, who the Bible opens up automatically at the right page for them that morning. I'm sure they hear God audibly and float downstairs for their cornflakes in the morning, just knowing I am a man of God. But I don't wake up saying, good morning, Lord. I wake up saying, good Lord, it's morning. I feel incredibly ordinary. And so this has been my thing. I know this principle that in order to get into the great things of God, you need to be incredibly bold. So how do normal people get bold? This is the thing I want to share with you. Boldness for normal people. Boldness for slightly dysfunctional people. Anybody feel slightly dysfunctional? Anybody feel dull? I'll be honest with you, as a minister, my greatest danger is not immorality, it's dullness. Just the humdrum of life, just that sometimes things just go on and we lose our spiritual sparkle, so we're dull. We feel incredibly normal. Most of us, it's just a psychological condition, part of our brokenness. We suffer from imposter syndrome. If you're in a room, you think, well, everybody else knows what's going on except me. 
Are you the one that sits there, because it's most of us, on a Sunday morning and you think, well, everybody in this room's probably more spiritual than me, prays more than me, reads the Bible more than me, knows more than me. I feel incredibly normal. It's called imposter syndrome. Three company directors were having lunch one day, and one of them was brand new to the company. Um, and they were talking, and in a moment of, of rare honesty, the new guy blurts out, well, if I'm honest, I'm just going to wait till people find out I can't really do this job. And the other two directors say, oh, you too? In other words, we all kind of feel that way about certain things in life. We want to be real, but we know I feel incredibly normal. So how do normal people become bold? How do shy people become bold? How do dull, dysfunctional, ordinary people do incredible things for God? Here's the good news. I don't think there is a man of God that wakes up ready-quiffed with minty breath and the Bible falls open and he hears God audibly all the time. I think, actually... The gospel is about God using incredibly normal people. The title for my message today is Boldness for Broken People, for people that go, I haven't got it all together. Do we have to wait till we've got it all together for God to use us? Here's the great thing about the gospel, and it's what's shown from Genesis to Revelation is, no, you don't. The whole point of this gospel is God empowers ordinary people people. I love the saying, let's see if you catch this. If you see a turtle on a fence post, you know he had some help. Do you get it? How can a turtle get to a fence post? Somebody must have lifted that turtle up and placed it on a fence post. Now that's what God does with the gospel. He takes away the power of our sins so that we can live free. But that's what he does by the outpouring of his Holy Spirit. And here's the secret I want to end with. It is the Holy Spirit in our lives that makes ordinary people extraordinary. Think about Peter, scaredy cat Peter, big mouth Peter. If you go through the Gospels, you realise this guy doesn't have it all together. He's quite fearful, but he's also quite big mouthed. But on the day of Pentecost, who was the, the hero of the church? Who was the one that stood up and explained what was going on and shared the first Gospel message in the first crusade there's ever been? And as he shared the message of the gospel in quite a wild and extremely brave sermon, 3,000 people give their lives to Christ. What had happened? Scaredy cat Peter had been filled with the Holy Spirit and suddenly he became brave Peter. It's the power of the Holy Spirit filling us. And maybe even as you watch right now, you will open your heart and ask him to fill you with the Holy Spirit as you watch. And as you're filled, I want you to realize that infilling, that presence of God, that power from God is the thing that makes you extraordinary. I am a bit of a scaredy cat. I'll be honest. If I do door to door, I walk up the path praying that no one's in. I, I, I'm an introvert. But when the presence of God touches my life, suddenly I'm hearing the voice of God. There's a bravery that's beyond me. And I've seen God do some beautiful, incredible miracles. And here's what I know, because I know me. Oh boy, that's all about being clothed in his power. How did Gideon, wimp in a wine press, suddenly become uh, someone who transformed the nation and fulfilled God's will? Well, the Bible's quite clear. It says the Holy Spirit came upon him and. And in fact, if you want to follow the story of every great through the Bible, you'll find the secret somewhere in some verse. It says usually things like, 
and the Holy Spirit came upon him and he or and she. It'll say things, think of Samson. It says, but the Holy Spirit stirred in Samson. It's the power of the Holy Spirit that makes us extraordinary in him. And when he comes and fills our life, we begin to do extraordinary things. Let me end with this story. I went to, to America once and I was invited to go and speak to a group of Bible school students. And, and I went in and I, I'd been asked to speak on the subject of leadership. So I turned up with my, my best material that I had on leadership. And I thought, well, I'm going to enjoy this. I've got five mornings to share with a group of Bible college students. And I'm there. And as I arrive, there's a recurring theme coming as I chat to different students and different staff members. And it's this line, not a lot happens around here. Not a lot has happened yet this term. Not much is happening at the moment. And this, this little phrase, could, and, and I know they might not have all known that they were saying it, but I picked up, they kept saying, not a lot's happening here. Well, I didn't think too much of it. I got to Monday morning and I begin my talk and it goes okay, but not, not very well, if I'm honest. And I'm, I'm thinking, boy, I just, I, there's some disconnect going on here. I don't feel like I'm doing very well. So I, I did what I normally do. I thought I'll put a few more funny stories in and see if it helps. So for Tuesday, I'll put in some more funny stories and I'm, I'm going for it. I'm trying to, trying to wake them up and get some rapport going. Nothing. Dreadful. So I'm thinking, well, well I better pray and add some more funny stories for Wednesday. So I, I do all of that. I'm halfway through Wednesday morning and inside I'm still, as I'm talking, I'm praying to God going, God, this isn't going very well. What's wrong? And then all of a sudden it dawned on me. I closed my notes, I closed my Bible, and I looked at this little room of students and I said, hang on a minute, are you filled with the Holy Spirit? Well, I might have said that I was Beelzebub's brother-in-law. The place parted. They said, no, we don't believe in all that kind of stuff. And they all started to come out, apart from about two people. They were coming out with, well, my church don't believe in it. My mum and dad said it wasn't right. I really don't think we should. All that kind of stuff doesn't happen anymore. Oh boy, I suddenly discovered the secret of why they were saying, not a lot ever happens around here. There was no Holy Spirit. You see, there is no real happening until God turns up to help us have things happen. Well, I started to talk to them about the need for the Holy Spirit. Oh boy, I made them cry, uh, not by a move of the Holy Spirit, by sheer frustration. I said, to be honest, even Jesus didn't start his ministry until he was filled with the Holy Spirit. It's there, Luke 3 and 4, for all to see. It's when the Holy Spirit came that stuff started to happen. Think of Peter, he was all over the place until the Holy Spirit came and then suddenly transformation. Jesus said, go into all the world, but then he said, wait until the Holy Spirit comes on you and then things are gonna to begin to happen. We needed power from God to do the job. God gives the instruction, but he also gives the power to do the instruction. Well, by the end of the week, we had a little breakthrough. They began to be filled with the Holy Spirit. They were overwhelmed with the power of the Holy Spirit. They were having dreams. They were having visions. Suddenly, all the language of not a lot happens around here fades away. They head out onto the streets of this American city and then the mission they went on straight afterwards. And they were giving people words and knowledge on the street and prophecy and sharing the gospel with people. And they were beginning to see God do the God stuff. And it all came because a little group of normal people said, finally, okay, Holy Spirit, we humble ourselves. We need you. We'll be honest. We're not great, functional, capable people. We're broken people that need a savior. We're broken people that need his power. 
We're broken people that need God to come in and take our natural and make it supernatural. Take our ordinary, make it extraordinary. And that is the secret I've wanted to share with you today. We all feel ordinary. But when we ask the Holy Spirit to come into our lives, things become extraordinary. Allow the extraordinary move of the Holy Spirit to flood your world and you will find that God has given boldness to broken people.